if you as a company lose that shelf space, you don't lose it only for this product, you, all, you lose it for a range of products. And to win that shelf space back takes years and years. So the impact of leaving out or postponing a certain feature can have a huge impact financially. So refactoring is a dangerous game. And, 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 and the risks of refactoring are often not so well calculated because the engineering side, they look at the technology, they look at the product. Okay, we do it next time or whatever, you know, but, but the salespeople who make the contracts in the market, they promise stuff. And if that doesn't come, the price will change. Welcome to Innovation Talks. Join us weekly as we discuss with distinguished industry guests how to refine and improve corporate innovation and new product development. Hosted by Paul Heller, Sophion Chief Evangelist. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Glad you could join me again. I hope you're all having a great week. I've written some blog posts. I've done some podcasts talking about something called product refactoring. And to remind you what that is, it's when you have to change your product definition because of some external event. And some of the examples we've spoken about are the microprocessor shortage. And we've seen some automotive companies that have changed the product that they were going to release to the market. We saw General Motors release their Silverado truck without the fuel management system. They just simply released it without. And another major automotive manufacturer just very recently, within the last week or two, pulled out the rear seat climate control system from its, uh, from its vehicles. Uh, these are all because they just can't get the microprocessor that they need in order to be able to deliver these features, right? So supply chain issues are one. Things are becoming very expensive. Are we in a period of inflation? That's going to bring up product pressures. So, so this, this need to do product refactoring is almost a continual process. Well, my guest today is Hoob Rutten, and Hoob is a co-founder of Sophion. He's uh, led our research division of our company for many, many years, but he's also a consultant working with many companies in innovation, helping them set up good rules of governance and being successful in new innovation. And Hoop gave me a call. He said, Paul, this is um, really what you're talking about is the product definition is becoming dynamic. And he said, but, but one of the things we need to talk about are the financial implications behind all of this product refactoring and, and product, the dynamic product definition. And I said, that's great, Hoop. Would you be willing to come on the podcast and, and talk about that? And he said, yes. So here he is. So Hoop, welcome to the show. Thank you, Paul. How are you today? I'm fine. Ready to go. Ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> and you're located in the Netherlands, right? I mean, yes, we... I am located yeah. in the Netherlands. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. Things going well there. Summer. Summer coming or spring or. <laughs> yeah, we have. Uh, we have, in fact, exciting times. Huh? We are. We are in the in the in the the period where we say goodbye to the to the COVID uh, measures. Mm -hmm which is a, is a hopeful time and many people, individuals, but also many companies are uh, looking forward to, to a less complicated period and to, so they are hopeful 
that basically all times come back. But of course, we have to deal with the with the crisis in Ukraine, between Russia and the rest of the world, yeah. which is perhaps more damaging than than the COVID itself. So, the the fact that you have a, a let's say a medical pandemic is replaced by a political pandemic, and this is really a pandemic because uh, the impact of what's what what on on already on people in Africa. So, you. you Ukraine and, uh, and and Russia, they, they, they deliver the grain for bread and food for 40% of certain countries, 60% of certain countries. I think 25% of the whole world eats food from Ukraine and Russia. And in the Ukraine, they cannot do the seeding this year. So next year, the United Nations has expect 25 million people to be starving. And so, so I think we are we, we live in, in 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 times where the medal has two sides. People want to be optimistic, but it cannot be. And I, I'm really curious to learn how organizations will will react on that. So the the refactoring issue is more urgent than ever. And it's not only the, at the product level; it's also at the strategy level, of course. So how companies, organizations will change, break up to be less vulnerable for energy and so on and so on, you know, that refactoring thing will be standard almost. It will be per default. So it's a, it's a very important uh, uh, subject. I think more broad than than discussed in the block. That's why I can. So you, it, it is it is more more broad than that. I think if refactoring is default because of the circumstances, you need to be organized for it. You cannot do it ad hoc once or something. If it is default, it will always be be the case, and uh, we need to find out how to support and how to respond to those challenges. And I, I, I think that our customers are look, looking also to Sofion to come forward with ideas, suggestions for uh, for that. I think we need to think about that. So it's the, the refactoring thing, Paul, is more urgent than it was, I think, when you wrote a block. It's one other tendency that I would like to put on the table with regard to refactoring. You know the movement of Agile. In Agile, the principle is that you change things. The principle is even that you change things, which is a pain in the end, of course. It's not easy. If you if you change all the time, how can you plan your business? How can you then plan to hire people? How, because you need to pay the salaries. So how, how is that going? So also that it could be part of the game. So how you... That you are flexible and have agility, that is fine. But to make to make it the basis is dangerous. I, I, I prefer to talk about refactoring as a default thing, that you have yeah. to be ready for it. Yeah. Instead yeah. of be, making it the starting point. Right, so, right. Yeah. It's just an introduction to the subject for me. Oh, it's good, it's good, yeah. You know, when you think about the financial dimension of it, you know, what are your thoughts? I mean, it's we, we've not spoken at all about it. So I'd love to hear what you think and, and, and yeah. what you see the challenges are. So m m many companies are still in the, in the, in the 
mood of idea to market. And also in your blog, you, 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 you wrote about from idea to market. I wish that companies were not in that mode from idea to market. I think that is a naive thing. It's at very high level, you can talk about that. But when you spend, let's say, half a billion, $500 million per year on innovation or a billion on innovation, you, you cannot do, do it like that. The point is, if you have idea to market, you start with a lot of uncertainty and you have to end up with certainty. Mm -hmm. And somewhere in the middle is a césure, that's what, what, what is the French say. It, it is a point. There is a point that you say, now I have enough certainty to take the decision to realize this product. So in fact, when you start realizing this product, you should not have all these uncertainties anymore. However, things can happen. The chip story is, is clear. So with the, the lack of chips, it can happen. It also can happen in production. While you are in the market, and it can happen in production. And then you have to refactor. So it is not so that nothing can happen. Of course, things can happen. But that is already when the product is in the market, not per se idea to market. Right, right. When we take idea to market, and then in the market, we have two parts. But if we take idea to market, we also have two parts, the uncertain part and the yeah. certain part. And I, th and I think that for the uncertain part, it's clear that you have to rethink, rethink, redo, start, research. It's and, expected, and on right. Yeah. yeah. But when you decided to realize it, the development work should be predictable. The timing should be predictable. You should know about the cost. You should know about the expected revenue. That, that, that is the big decision, the big decision. And uh, Cooper talks about the big deal at that point. So the big decision is you cannot take that big decision unless you have your financial uh, profile of that product and the business profile of that product solid. You know, because of this idea to market thing, which is really an old fashioned thing, it's like 40, 50 years ago that they were thinking about that and the R&D departments were, let's say, on their own and they tried to be successful and not being a service to the business so 40 years ago, then, you know, companies like, I don't, I don't give you names, many no companies, 70% of their new products, too late on the market. Also 70% of the products lost making. Suppose you, you change that 10%. Can you imagine what it means? And what I learned is that the business case calculations that are used to, let's say, predict the success, to, to define the expectation, the business expectation around that investment, are sometimes naive and not dynamic. Once a thing, as you wrote in your blog, once a thing is on its route, on its way, there are so many forces to keep it going yeah. that they don't stop it. The CEO once said to me, I stopped a project already three times and it's still there. This <laughs> is unbelievable. It's still there. So people kept going and doing because they wanted, yeah. to, they wanted to do it. And without even funding, they did it on their, on, on their own. 
which is, I say, okay, that is great. But the chance for success is one on thousand, of course. You know, because you need you need marketing, you need all kinds of things around it to get a thing to the to the market. So, and if we then look at business case calculations, so we do a new product. In the beginning, we start with it. We start doing research and this and that and such and so, and we define the requirements. And the requirements they come from customer visits, uh, voice of the customer in general, market research, and so on. And we have a clear idea of the needs of this new product. And the, most of the new products are incremental, you know that. So what we have decided in general is to make a new release of a product and add certain features to it. Okay, we add certain features to it. These features can be hardware, can be software, can be also uh, connected software, could, could be many things. So then they go out to the market and they talk to, for instance, in the case of uh, uh, companies with retailers, for instance, they talk to the retailer and say, look, if we give you this, this product, uh, would you put it on the shelf? Yeah, yeah, I would put it on the shelf. So we have in general as a company shelf space there, let's say 30 meters, 20 meters shelf space. You can put these products on it. We can put its products on that. And we say, okay, we agree a kind of a date when, when, when we will fill that shelf with the new stuff. And we agree with that, with that, with the customers, we agree with certain functionality. So they expect in their shops, machines or products, whatever you call them, with a certain functionality for a certain price, and that goes in their catalog. And he is already starting to raise expectations with his consumers. And now, now we go back to idea to market. So something might be that, that in agile way of working, people say, yeah, we don't have the time to do more. We cut, we cut, we cut it. We simply cut it. That's it. They don't have a clue about the impact on that shelf space. No clue. Really, they really don't know. I don't know one sort of engineers who would know that because they, they don't have the contact with these with these customers out there. So voice of the customer can be very hard. So because if you as a company lose that shelf space, you don't lose it only for this product, you, own, you lose it for a range of products. And to win that shelf space back takes years and years. So the impact of leaving out or postponing a certain feature can have a huge impact financially. And, and, and I think that in the business case calculations that we know, we talk about MPV, IRR, all that, you know, it doesn't take to account the real financial impact on the business for companies. So refactoring is a dangerous game. And, 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 and the risks of refactoring are often not so, let's say, not so well calculated because the engineering side, they look at the technology, they look at the product. Okay, we do it next time or whatever, you know, but, but the salespeople who make the contracts in the market, they promise stuff. And if that doesn't come, the price will change because if you do less reject, the price will change. So the revenue will change. The, the, the retailer cannot sell it for the same price, has to go lower if he at all wants it. Perhaps he says, if that functionality is not there, forget it. I don't put it on the shelf. 
Suppose that he says, yeah, okay, I have to do it because I, yeah, I, I have a good relationship. I don't go with your competitor. But, but he could say, the shallow space, I give it to a competitor. I could say that. No, okay, we go, we go and do, uh, I, I accept that the functionality is a little bit less, so, but we have to do something about the price. So yeah. then the margin, go, sh sh go, go, your margin, you have to give in the margin. So the whole financial aspects around refactoring from an absolute business perspective is big. What you also have is if you start a product and you have the plan and you know how to realize that, you know, you know how to realize, you already have early contracts with suppliers, for instance. What do you do with this? You already have contracts to test your product. What do you do with this if you change it? You have to, perhaps, perhaps you pay a penalty because you don't, you don't do it. And not everybody can postpone just like that. And what do you do with the, the manufacturing side of the new product? So if, you're, if you have your own manufacturing, okay, you can still deal with it. But suppose you outsource the manufacturing of your product. You have to do that in time, proactively. You, you, don't, you don't have, and if you then refactor, because I don't know what small thing can happen, you know, what happens then with the contract that you have with that outsourced manufacturing, who already ordered a robot to do certain things automatically? The robot is prepared to do something, but that part is not coming. The cost, the cost, the financial impact around refactoring, I think it's worth a study or was in, 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 in itself. I'm not a financial specialist, and the only thing is I, I, I know from, from how companies work that people are expecting things from each other. So you should try at a certain moment, from a certain moment almost, to avoid refactoring because it's like putting your finger in a bunch of bees. <laughs> yeah. So you spoke, you spoke about, oh, there are a lot of things in there. If I unpack some of this, um, obviously there was a commitment somewhere to the company on some return or some expected value on that innovation, right? There was a commitment made and the numbers change. The numbers are going to change, right? But but seldom do people go back and go to the executive team, and that's be a pretty pretty major thing for somebody to go to an executive team and say, "Hey, we're going to be off. We're not doing this. We haven't even launched it yet. We're still in development." But you know, it's it's a natural tendency to not want to to say that, and because uh, the executives are going to say, "Okay, what are you going to fill the? What are you going to fill that?" void with because we've committed to our shareholders, right? The whole business model is driven from this assumption that this new product was going to generate a certain profile in the market, right? So you've got that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is worse. And then you've got the cost side. You've got the cost side, right? But it, yeah. even, even it's worse. Let me go with that one. It, it, it even is worse. I have one company where the executives, the C-level, demands quickly a new product because an important customer or what have you want something they want a, pr a new product and then the rest has to wait so they take people from existing products and wait it ha happened also with the in the beginning with the pandemic so people suddenly started to make new products they never make respiration products and things like that right they're 
But to do that, they do that. They took the best people they have in the company from all these other projects, and they were postponed. Yeah. They did not calculate the impact. This exercise was very, very, very expensive, and it killed certain things, and that you don't want to kill. So, in in enthusiasm, also in certain enthusiasm can also, let's say, not be the best advisor at certain moment in time. And, and you are right. People who are positive, they like it, or they they are linked to it. They, 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 the whole body goes in it, and then you know, they they. So we say, okay, we already did so much. Let's 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 continue with it with less functionality. I said I told a little bit about the danger of that, and and we have to really research it. What is the impact of it? That's why sales should be engaged all the time cross-functionally. The sales should all be always be engaged in innovation to tell the people what the impact is. To tell them they know it because they will feel it, and if you postpone let alone that you postpone three or four because you took the people from various projects and you postpone it. Yeah, it's quite an expensive exercise. And if you have that expensive exercise, do you still want to do that so spontaneously to get, to get a good press? Because mostly that was the reason. And, 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 and so I think that uh, I am very much for uh, being innovative, right? But you cannot be innovative in an uncontrolled and uncoordinated way. You cannot, you cannot say, okay, we postpone this feature just because we, we have another feature to do or whatever without understanding what the impact is of that decision. That's right. That's right. And this is, in my view, the danger, the danger of giving too much, let's say, power, decision-making to the lower, lower level teams. Because the lower level teams never see a customer, they're never there, they don't even know, they, 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 they are engineers. And I will have you, they are not people that should understand that even. So I think, I think that uh, refactoring as a, as a basis, look, we can help the companies, I think, to, to give them better coordination. So if you, if you do the research, if you are on the front end, right, be dynamic, change, what have you, research and so on. But there is a moment that we freeze, that, that we say, no, from now on, we know what we will deliver. There is no uncertainty anymore. And if you go in that last phase with uncertainty, then you force yourself. You can predict that you get refactoring. And then you can predict that you have all that, how you say that, damage, damage later on. Yeah, but, but even if you've driven out all the uncertainty that you know of something comes from out of nowhere right whether it be a war or whether it be a you know uh, again now i just just this week china closed two of their major major cities right they just shut it down here we go done it's it's force majeure so if you have force majeure then also your customers have force, force yeah. majeure True. They will. They will. They will be forgiving. Yeah. They will be forgiving. So if you, if you, if as you see what I mean, if you are in uncertain times, you know, in times of war, the financial possibilities of of the consumers they they change. They they focus on basic stuff because they won't spend on luxury stuff so much. That that comes back to the to to the manufacturers, you know. 
So that is the ideal time to refactor your products that went down to basics because the price in the shop will go down. Otherwise, you don't sell anything. So refactoring, it can also be driven by the financial possibilities out there at the consumer and also in the B2B side, of course, because it goes in the B2B side, it has its yeah. impact. Yeah. So the, the, the war that we have now, the, the time of war, has as a consequence to many, many people that they spend less money on stuff to, to, for their living and their households uh, and so on. Energy is more expensive, there's electricity, the gas, everything is more expensive. It is uncertain. We don't know what happens next year. And in that case of uncertainty, people in general don't want to spend too much. They will save some money, put it in something structural and not in consumer goods. So if you are in the consumer goods area, you know that your functionality has to go down because the price will go down yeah. and the people will buy less. Yeah. So in terms of refactoring, refactoring is not only driven because you don't have a chip or you, or you have a, not a missing technology or a key engineer who got lost. No, because the market tells you. The market changed. The yes. market changed. That the market can tell you that you have to go back. And then you have to go back and refactor. Yeah. The yeah. Thing and redo your stuff. Redo your, your again, your, all, with all the aspects of it. And I think that uh, in the first place is a coordination mechanism. It's not the decision for engineering, yes or no, to do that. It's a business decision what we can do or what we cannot can do and where we can go. And I think uh, we as Sofion also, we can, because we deliver the coordination software, we need all the data for that and the transparency that we can help the companies in taking those decisions. Yeah. And so now we went, we went full circle. We went from, if you're doing, changing your product definition, product refactoring because of some external event, such as maybe a technology or supply chain issue, we talked about, okay, there are financial implications. Uh, and we talked, but now it's a, it's a, it's almost the external event is a financial event, right? There's yeah. inflation, there's people can't afford to spend what they were spending. And that, that also triggers it. And then it's, and I, I like the way that, that just circled right back around for us. Yeah. And this is, I think the, the, uh, if you, if you develop innovation is, 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 is developing new business. Yeah. You don't innovate if you don't want to develop new business. So it is new business development in the end. Yeah. And, and innovation is, has the contact of the, of the business all the time. And the business is with suppliers, with, with outsourced manufacturing, but also with your retailers and with the market and your consumers. Yeah. It's, it's a financial game. And I think, uh, I think that it's often, should, should, it should often is underestimated a little bit. Yeah. And, yeah. and that uh, the tools, you know, they, they focus on project management. They don't focus on on this business management, basically, aspects of it. And I think that we can play a, a role there, Paul. And I think we, we do that with many customers already. And I think yeah. we should keep doing that. Completely agree, Hoop. Completely agree. Well, Hoop, this was a great discussion, as it always is with you. So I certainly appreciate you joining us to share your thoughts uh, here. And uh, yeah, I think uh, I think people know about Sofian. They know about you. but. Uh, you know, they, what's the best way that people connect with you? Yeah, Paul, they, 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 I, I suppose that your, your podcast also publishes uh, email addresses. Yes. So, so feel free to give my email address. Will do. 
hub.rutten.sofion.com is very simple. Yeah. Or you can also reach me over info.sofion.com. That will also help. I'm happy to, uh, to, to contact with people and give them my ideas or yeah. interact with them. Yeah, great. Okay, Hoop. Thank you very much. I wish you a great uh, week ahead. And yeah, um, thank for, you for joining. Thank you and for the opportunity. It was a pleasure. You bet. And to our listeners, thank you for joining. I uh, hope you enjoyed that uh, as much as I did. It's always fun to hear from Hoop and what he, uh, what he is thinking, what he is seeing in the market. So I wish you all a great week ahead, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us this week for Innovation Talks with Paul Heller. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For additional information on today's topic, check out sophion.com, S-O-P-H-E-O-N.com, where you will find plenty of innovation-centric content and corporate best practices. If you'd like to discuss anything with Paul or would like to get in touch with the show, email us at talks at sophion.com. <laughs>